Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Charles. Appropriate to kick off Pride Month, I think. Oh. With and just as I considered it and not just occurring to me right now, <laughs> you are a hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. And I am an ally. ally. And you're welcome. I'm Ally the Ally. Uh both spelled the same. No. Do you spell Ally with an no. I E when you spell it that way? Holy God, Charles. I, I spell it A L L I E. Okay. okay. Which famously is not how you spell ally. No, it's not. But we do do a double L around here. I won't stand for single L's. We're going to get to uh, the premiere that you and I went to last night in a second. Uh, But before we do that, I just once again have to reiterate that it is fucking crazy to me that I have known you for, I'm not going to do math right now, a very long time, and you still refuse to tell me your middle name. (laughs) Yep. Um, you brought it up last night, and I was like, "That legitimately makes me." We mad. were googling celebrity middle names, yeah. At a oh, and let's just remind everybody because now I know this, but I feel like I need to pass along this trivia, a bit of trivia to everybody. So when you're at a party, you can bust this out as mm-hmm. well. Charles looks at me and goes, "Do you know what Billie Eilish's middle name is?" Do you? And I was like, "No, I have no idea." And you googled it. And I can pull it up if you don't have it right now. Or if you don't have it memorized. I don't have it committed to memory yet, which is insane. But her full name is everybody sitting down. If you're driving, pull over. Sit down. Sit down, hold somebody's hand, grab your pet, pet them so you're calm. Because Billie Eilish's full name is Billie Eilish Pirate Bard O'Connell. Pirate Bard. Pirate Bard mm-hmm. is her middle name. Now, uh, did everybody know this? Am I the only person who did not know this? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think it's very well known. Okay, because it's on Google. Yeah, you just have to Google it. I I was unaware even until I found that out that uh, her middle middle name was Eilish. I thought that was her last name, but I know a lot of celebrities Same. do the Same. the middle name thing. Yes. Uh, so that's a little tidbit for everybody. If you're ever at a party and you feel awkward, and let's be real, if you listen to this show, that happens to you all the time. And you're like, I need an icebreaker. Why, God, did you make me so awkward? Now you can say, hey, do you know what Billie Eilish's middle name is? It's fucking Pirate Bard. Yeah. If you're at a party feeling awkward, storm the stage. If there's no stage, build one. Take the microphone from say- someone and announce to the I room that. that Billie Eilish's middle name is Pirate Bard. I love that Charles is like bare minimum standard for a party as there is. There a has to be a stage. Yeah, there must. It's not a party if there's not and a, a sound stage. system with a microphone. We're just a bunch of assholes standing together in a room, <laughs> but it's not a party. So speaking of party, uh, we went to the premiere of Crimes of the Future here in New York City last night. It was a very good time had by all, but. I wanted you to come on the show, Charles, because you saw the dang movie with me, and it's going to be a divisive one. Let's just say that. I was posting some photos from the event on my Instagram, which y'all should follow me on my Instagram. I do not promote it at all. <laughs> but I post a bunch of stuff there that I don't post on Twitter. So go over there, follow me. But I was posting about this movie, <laughs> and I had like multiple people messaging me, 
Some were so excited about it. Others were like, you could not pay me to see this film. And guess what? I respect both stances. Yeah. Um, I have somebody tweet me that they are like very squeamish when it comes to body horror. And I was like, guess what, buddy? You shouldn't watch this film. Don't do it. Don't do it. Now, Charles and I are broken human beings. So we were able to sit through it totally unfazed because our hearts are little shriveled bits of coal. And but I have heard from people all across this beautiful land of ours saying that when they went to a premiere or they went to a festival and they saw it, uh, there were like multiple walkouts. <laughs> yeah, I know that we were we were relatively close to the front, but I don't believe we had any walkouts. I was wondering that, too. And I was wondering if maybe there were, but we didn't see them can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah. But it seemed like the audience, I mean, it was a bunch of friendlies, like, you know, so it, it seemed like it was relatively well received, I would say. There was lots of applauding. The cast was there, which was very nice. There was there were some visceral, like, like audible reactions to some things. Yes. During the movie, yeah. So I guess let's just get into it. So um, Crimes of the Future is David Cronenberg's latest film, the legendary David Cronenberg. And I'll just like give a blanket recommendation. If you're really into David Cronenberg and his whole jam, his whole aesthetic, and you're like, oh man, I love Scanners. I love The Fly. I love History of Violence. Love everything he's doing. You'll probably like this <laughs> because like as I was watching it, I was just like, man, this is so David Cronenberg. So if he's your shit You'll probably like this. And this was like, uh, I found out after when I was researching it last night, like a passion project of his. Yes. He he thought he was done making films. Yeah. He's, he thought he was going to pivot to writing books, which is really interesting. I've noticed that I have this habit of really liking filmmakers who are writers. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that says about me as a person. But I was just like, oh, that does happen to me frequently. So yeah, he decided that he would, this was an old screenplay that he had written years and years and years and years ago. And a industry friend of his contacted him. I forget if it was a producer or who it was. And they were like, hey, do you still want to make Crimes of the Future? And he was like, oh, I'm sure none of it is relevant anymore. I wrote it so long ago. And his friend was like, actually, mm -hmm. <laughs> like everything is still very timely. Although... I guess I should just give a disclaimer up top. We we have to talk about this with spoilers. Otherwise, I don't even know how to describe this film Hopefully. to y'all. So skip ahead to the music cue if you're like desperately trying to avoid spoilers for Crimes of the Future. If you're both going to see Crimes of the Future and wickedly afraid of spoilers, I don't know who you are, but <laughs> please skip ahead. I don't want to ruin it for you. So... This film is about, again, takes place in like dystopian future because the future is always bad, as we know. And uh, this world has been ravaged by climate change. And lo and behold, people have started spontaneously growing new organs. And everyone's like, what? That's crazy. And of course, the government is like, uh-uh-uh, because you're not technically human anymore and we're scared of you. <laughs> we need you to register. And a bunch of people grow new organs are like, we don't want to register because um, we've all seen X-Men. We get it, right? right? 
So that's essentially <laughs> what's happening here. And Viggo Mortensen is a, a performance artist with uh, Leia Seydoux. I'm never quite sure how to say her name. I'm so I apologize to France. Mm-hmm. Just blanket apology to France. I do enjoy her tremendously. Don't know how to say her name. Not fully confident. Um, they are performance artists, and what they do is um, Leia uh, Leah performs the surgery to remove the new organ that Viggo Mortensen has spontaneously grown grown and uh, an audience records it on their like futuristic iPhones and everybody has a good time. Yeah. So and then there's <laughs> there is more to the story in terms of like uh there's a sort of rebel leader who uh became radicalized because his child was the first child who um, was born with the innate ability with like these organs already evolved within him. They didn't grow. He was just born that way, if you will. Shout out to Lady Gaga. Um, and his wife was like horrified. She considered him a monster. And she in the opening scene of this film suffocates their child to death. Mm-hmm. That's how the film opens. Um, and he obviously is very traumatized by this. So he decides he wants to make a public statement and have Leah do a public autopsy on his son to show how, quote unquote, beautiful he was and how it was natural. And then they open him up and, uh oh, it uh, it's real ugly. It's real bad. Um, so, Charles, I'll guess I'll just pose the question to you. Did you like this film? Um, I am unable to answer that question. Okay, that's fair. Now, like, what are you feeling? Like, unpack your feelings. Now, okay, so like I like I said last night, I I didn't have a terrible time. I so I guess I guess that yeah, it's it's a mild recommendation because it's not maybe because like you said before we are broken people but i wasn't mm-hmm. super shocked by any of it except one point close to the end of the movie um which i guess we'll get to later um <laughs> it is the performances are amazing like amazing. amazing um but i we didn't even talk about Kristen Stewart yet like i when we came out of the screening or the premiere i was like i am having a problem distinguishing between if I liked the film or if the three leads are just so amazing that they sold me on the film because like I told you there are moments in this film where like the characters are crying and I'm like you're such a good actor why are you crying Mm -hmm. why is your character what is your character feeling right now where are we at in their character arc like I had big questions about the plot and the character but the acting I was like Y'all are carrying this. Yeah, I wouldn't say that there's like a lot of plot holes, but there's a lot of loose ends that never, ever get tied up, which could be my which issue normally, with it. Normally, I would be, I am not a fan of exposition dumps by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. I do prefer like Stanley Kubrick's approach to sci fi, which is I'm going to give a lot of credit to my audience and not over explain everything to right. them. And in fact, maybe I don't even have all the answers. I'm just going to present some very cool general ideas. <laughs> and it's just going to be a vibe and we're going to have a good time. And everybody's like, cool. Um, so I'm actually okay with that. I just like, I had more of an issue with like 
I was like, is this a metaphor for celebrity culture? And if so, that all feels a little dated to me. Like the scenes where they're actually performing the surgery of removing something inside your body. Like it it really reminded me of like the artistic journey, if you will, like an artist creating art for public consumption. And then the very creepy shots of everybody filming it felt like a commentary on modern society, but not in an interesting way. Yeah. And and I wish they had gone. Into, so every time that Vigo Mortensen's character has an organ removed publicly, and then a little later, other people have them removed publicly, they're already pre-tattooed somehow. Yeah. Which they don't so, go into. I Wasn't that... Like, wasn't there a procedure where they were, like, branding them to, like, keep track of what organs had been? Because remember, they do it to Vigo, where they're like, oh, we have to, like, mark this. No, they had, like, the the two, um, like, Kristen Stewart and the the man that she worked with, uh, they put the tubes in him and they're, like, checking it out, right? Is that when they brand him? I think so. Because I was under the, I I had the understanding that it was Caprice, his, like, his... Uh, co-artist um, was doing all the tattooing, but I guess it would make more sense that the registry was doing it. Oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, you're right. Caprice is the one tattooing it. Yeah, that's like part of the performance. Yeah. yeah, I was unclear on that as well because at the end, the kid, like, I think that was part of the whole idea of like, remember Vigo is like mocking the dad and he's like, you think you passed along this trait to your son. Right. So like if I cut off my finger, would my son be missing a finger? Like it made no sense logically, but then when they open the kid at the end, his organs are tattooed, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it, so, yeah. And, and people have like a visceral reaction to how it looks inside this dead child. It's gross. Okay. So that was <laughs> when we were trying to figure out when people walked out, I was like, maybe when they do the autopsy on the extremely naked boy, like, just because it, I'm fine with nudity in films as long as it's, like, I don't know, warranted, part of the plot. Like, uh, Leah is naked a lot in this film, mm-hmm. and it, but it makes sense because it's, like, she's with her partner, she's with Saul, and Saul and Caprice are together. It's a very intimate scene. Makes sense that they're naked. But then there are these two ancillary characters who are, like, sort of technicians for the the bed that patients have to lay in when they're having their organs removed. These two women are engineers who like fix those beds and they are just randomly naked in a scene and it makes no sense. Yeah. They're like tittering in the background while they're getting secretly naked. Be like, he, 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 she's going to turn around and we're going to have our boobs out. And then that has, and that's when I was like, nowhere. okay, David, calm down. <laughs> Clearly he just, one of these actors is naked and made no sense for the plot. Mm-hmm. But like the little boy being naked, that was just like a reflexive sort of like, I don't want to see a naked little kid who's dead. Like, yeah, that was ugh. that was the point where I was like, oh, and I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think a lot of people were like, oh, because it's just you don't see that often no. in films. And that was a little um Icky, not great. Yeah. Don't want to look at a naked little kid. Yeah, I don't want to look at a naked little kid, and I don't want to look at a naked little kid for that long. And also, like, I'm aware it's a movie and it's not real, but like a dead kid being like cut open was very like okay. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, if you're if you are anyway squeamish, if any of the things we just said horrify you, maybe not a film for you. Now, this all sounds like I'm going to anti-wreck it. I'm not. I'm going to wreck it. And I know I told you, Charles, that I might like kind of wreck it when we left. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, I think I liked it. Like, and I'm aware of its flaws. I'm aware that it's very slowly paced. Although I will say, I didn't think it was going to be funny at all. And there's a couple humor moments. I would never say that it's a funny movie, but I was actually a little amazed considering the subject matter and the content that there were jokes. There was a lot more, yeah, there was a lot more light audience chuckling than I expected at all. Well, I think a large part of that is Kristen Stewart gives a bananas oh. performance in this <laughs> mm-hmm. film yep. where she is like a very socially awkward yet aggressively sexual bureaucrat, which we don't often see. Her character's name is Timlin. She's an investigator with the National Organ Registry. And she becomes obsessed with Viggo Mortensen's character, Saul. And she's just like fascinated by this subculture of uh, public surgeries. Um, And she just gives a very strange, but like mesmerizing performance that I was like, this is like only she could have decided on this performance and it could be pulling it off, you know? Yeah, I was like, I'm very happy. I told you this last night. After uh, Kristen Stewart has like graduated Twilight, I've pretty much enjoyed everything she's done. And I'm glad she's being taken seriously now. Uh, This character was so interesting and wild to watch because it's so unlike everything that she's done before. Um, And it's honestly like very... I, I'm just more and more impressed with her every time I see her, even even in a movie like this. Um, she's never boring. No. You know, she, she's always like, she has a viewpoint. She always does something interesting with characters, even if there's not much there on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I mean about, like, the three leads are so strong that, like, I mean, the last shot of Viggo Mortensen's face is stunning. Oh, so good. Like, there are really, really beautiful moments in this film. I am a huge fan of how David Cronenberg fills out a world. Mm -hmm. Like, the world he builds in this film feels very real. Now, would I ever want to live in that world? Would I Mm -mm. ever want to return to that world? No, because it's horrifying. But in the moment, like, he just, like, comes up with, like, cool shit to look at. And I know that sounds, like, basic, but you'd be shocked how many films... Or maybe you wouldn't be shocked because you watch a lot of films. How often they tend to look alike when they're sci-fi. Yeah. And you never feel that way about a David Cronenberg film. Yeah. I was I like uh, I, I think based on because I watched the trailer after you invited me to the premiere and I was like, oh, this movie's going to be wild and have a lot of body horror and be mm-hmm. super, super unsettling to watch. There are a couple scenes like that, but I think that the trailers First of all, they get away with a lot with what they put in the trailer. Yes. I think it's a little bit misleading because it's almost more of a drama, I would say. It's almost like it's like a whodunit. It's like a detective film noir kind of. And I'm not Um, the kind of person who needs a movie to be like all the plot points to be wrapped up in like a tiny little bow at all. But I just had still had so many questions about a lot of things by the end of this movie. Mm -hmm. Like sure. the, the the technicians who eventually become naked, who are also murderers. Why? 
listen, they are also assassins. And I kept waiting for an explanation about why they're killing people. I, I have a feeling they're like killing enemies of their their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, why? And and are they like independent contractors? Are they like working for some? I was very unclear. Yeah, on that. The government agent says that they're not working. The, whoever murdered um, people was not working for the government. But we, I'm not sure that we can entirely believe him either. But I was like, okay, cool. They, they, they murdered that random doctor character. They murdered other the uh, Scott Speedman's character. And I was just like, okay. Lang, yeah. Why? And then that felt like at why? the end, that was supposed to be this big moment where like, so Lang is the father of the little boy who has the public autopsy done on him and he's sitting outside and he's crying and they uh, kill him by drilling into his brain. Mm-hmm. They have drills with them and they sit behind him and they assassinate him. And that feels like David Cronenberg wanted that to be a moment. And I was just like, I don't know why that just happened. Yeah. And an, an, another, they don't really, they touch on it here and there, but they have also said that the evolution involves people not feeling pain anymore, which is why right. these public autopsies and public um, surgeries are becoming a thing now. Um, but they don't really explain that either. Like when they have, when they show the supermodel getting her face cut open and they have a very interesting conversation, her and Caprice, about like, I never wanted to feel more beautiful. I wanted surgeries to feel something. I forget exactly what she said. But the, the, the big message during this movie is that uh, surgery is the new sex. Yeah. And afterwards, I was <laughs> talking to you and I was like, is it though? Because like, I never, other than the scenes between Caprice and Saul, where like, I got that they have a very specific kink. Mm-hmm. I didn't really buy it in like the culture at large, like that, like the model, for example, I felt like they were starting to skim like her philosophy where she's like, I'm tired of being beautiful, but like I needed more. Yeah. Like I needed her to be like, that's nothing. Like I was born beautiful. This, I earned this, like I needed more from her and like, I could have been sold on it, but it's almost just like, David Cronenberg expected us to just accept that this many people would start to want to have surgery instead of sex. Mm-hmm. And I was like, would they though? Would they? I don't know. Uh, I mean, in the weird dystopian future that we are watching, if you can't feel pain and like you just need to feel something. And that's another funny moment when Saul says that, oh, look, I'm not good at the old sex. But then is is that him equating pain and sex? Because that's worrying. If he's like, well, because you can't f- feel pain, you wouldn't enjoy sex anymore. It's like, my dude, I don't know what kind of sex you're having. Mm. But if it's, if it's just pain, unless you get off on that, it shouldn't just be pain. Right. Listen, was, was that the, how I expected to ever see Viggo Mortensen be eaten out? No. Okay. So let's talk about this. So what is the origin of of this? So he goes in for this surgery where they, instead of having to cut him all the time to get out his new organs, they install a zipper in his abdomen. So um, Caprice can just like unzip him real quick when they do their performances. And she's very excited about this. And what she does is she um, eats him out basically Mm -hmm. through his abdomen. Through the zipper. That was that was one of the moments where I was like, huh, 
I've never seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And also, like they've they've been performance artists that cut into him for quite some time. They're famous, yet we don't see any scars on his body except the ones that he gets in this movie. So that was my question because they, I was wondering like what the parameters of this evolution are mm-hmm. because I'm like, okay, they don't feel pain. Does that mean they heal really quickly? But then I thought they did. The yeah, with the model, the, with the scene with the model, she has permanent scars. Yes. So I was like, why does she still have scars if they heal quickly? Because that would explain why Vigo doesn't have any marks on his body. <laughs> True. But but then uh, Caprice later, when she after she talks to the model and she gets those implants in her forehead, which look pretty cool. Um, they did look very cool. The, the yeah. cuts above them where they've clearly slid them under her skin are healed like the next day. They're not there anymore. She has a little bit of bruising yeah. around because I was looking at it and then she they cut to a different scene that clearly is supposed to take place later and she is healed a little more. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, they they do have like residual effects of a surgery, but maybe they just heal faster. I don't know. This is one of like many questions that is not answered in the film, but like I was just like, what are the rules of this world? I don't need everything explained to me. I don't need an exposition dump. Mm-hmm. But like, I need to know why Lang got assassinated at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. I would, I would I, like an I'm answer to that. I'm still unclear on that. <laughs> now, tell me, how do you feel? So the device that they use for the surgeries, how do you feel about the uh, sticky frog creature that they have to f- essentially finger oh, the entire time? My God. First of all, that was such a cool prop because I was like, I really want to touch it. I do want to touch like, it. I re- it, it it's sort of like a fidget spinner. I'm like, I just want to like press the buttons all day. I was really into that. I'll tell you the thing that I'm like, I don't see this actually working is the little claws that would come out to like open a body cavity mm-hmm. when they were doing the surgery. Those looked like very fragile to me. Right. <laughs> I'm like, they wouldn't actually hold a rib cage apart. Um, but other than that, I thought the tech was really cool. Like the bed that Vigo was connected to that really upsetting chair that he would sit in I, when he was eating. I, I thought the chair was so cool. And then by the end of it, I was like, there's been too much chair. There's been far too yes. much chair. Um, that was clearly like a concept that David Cronenberg like fell in love with. And he's like, we got to have like many scenes of this chair. Right. And I'm sure everybody was like, okay. So what I'm, what I'm, <laughs> what I'm thinking about this is that they have they've built all these cool devices like his bed anticipates all of his pain and kind of like moves him throughout the night the same with this chair that he sits in that helps him like eat and digest so they've built all of these things to like kind of get them through the pain of the evolution that they're experiencing and the pain that they supposedly don't feel yet. yeah and then they i mean i guess a few people do feel it like someone like saul who um but They've created these things to stop their bodies from inherently craving plastic and let yeah, people like so, Lang have embraced their evolution and let all of their organs change and grow. Yeah. So Lang is Magneto and it's basically like we should be out and proud. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've, as you said, they've invented these bars because part of the evolution is their digestive tracts are changing and they crave plastic. Um, and David Cronenberg wrote this years and years and years ago when, uh, microplastics were like brand new in the news and people were like, this is going to be the end of civilization. Obviously like it is, it continues to be a huge problem. Like there are like these horrible studies co- that 
have come out that um there's like quite a bit of microplastics in all of us because of the water we drink. Mm -hmm. And strangely, our bodies have been able to adapt to it and it hasn't caused anybody to like die from it. So that really interested scientists and it obviously really interested David Cronenberg because he was like, are we evolving to be able to eat plastic? And if so, that could actually be really good for the environment Mm -hmm. because we have an overabundance of plastic that's never going to break down. And if we could just eat it (laughs) and it would like sustain us, that would actually be great. Um, So, yeah, Lang and this resistance have like made these bars that um, sustain them because they need to eat metal. And how the film ends is Vigo has um, decided to adopt their their strategy of like really leaning into the fact that he's no longer human, that he is a new being. And he needs to eat these bars. And I mean, you've spent the whole film watching this poor man suffer where he can like barely swallow food. Viggo Mortensen did a very good job of like altering his speech patterns, like because he's constantly supposed to be choking, but he also has to talk. (laughs) And it's like, how do you do that in a way that's like watchable, you know? And like, I thought he was like masterful at doing that. Doing these little like, like mildly clearing his throat throughout the entire clearing movie. Clearing his throat all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and being very hoarse. And he finally is able to eat this bar at the end. And the final shot is hit like just utter relief of like somebody who's been in pain for so long, finally knowing peace. And he starts to cry. And that's the last scene. And I was like, that is beautiful. Yeah. Like if, if the message of this film is like, embrace your freak, <laughs> you know, like, like, that's really cool. Um, yeah, like during Pride Month, you know, it's like be your authentic self, you know, like I'm like, OK, I, I like that. I was just wondering if like the other aspects of the film with like everybody filming on their phones, I'm like, oh, is this some like comment on this? The superficiality of modern culture, blah, 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 because I'm like, we've seen that done a lot yeah and i think it's it's interesting seeing like obviously saul and caprice have been experiencing this for years and years and years and years and they haven't even it never even occurred to them that what the problem or not problem i guess but the evolutionary end game could be is what lang introduces them to like it's 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 a new idea to them in this movie that if we just ate plastic maybe i could finally not be in pain all the time exactly you know what we haven't talked about at all? Mm. Saul's a fucking undercover cop. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a narc. Um, he's a narc, yeah. So, and he's working with. I've never seen this actor before, but uh, Detective Cope is the character. Um, Welkit, uh, Bungwe. I'm so sorry. I'm sure that's not the correct pronunciation, but he was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen him in anything. I loved his scenes with Vigo. Thought he was a really cool character. It just was one of those things, again, where I'm like, I don't really know who this character is. And he, like, pops in occasionally, um, has a solid scene, and then he's gone. But, like, very, very superficial, not invested, don't know much about nope, him. not at all. He's He works for the government, and that's all I know. Yeah. So, yeah, and, like, I feel like in this world, the police and the government are, like, one and the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Not that they're not like that now. Right. <laughs> but, like... It just didn't seem like there was they were distinguishing between the two because I was like, cop? Government official? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Eh? What's happening? 
Um, so yeah, I I would recommend this film. Um, Charles, you you sound like you're just like a question mark right now. I have a question. Like again, like I I won't say don't watch it unless uh, those few scenes where there's a lot of body horror would really upset you. They don't upset me. Um, I do wish that we had like a few more answers. But again, it's a beautiful movie. It's phenomenally acted. I just wish that I had a few more answers by the end of it. I don't need all the answers. I just need a few. The main thing I want you guys to take away from this review is that we got to see uh, Kristen Stewart in person. Mm -hmm. And that was a, and Viggo Mortensen for me, like, Listen, as somebody who was fucking obsessed with Lord of the Rings, <laughs> seeing Viggo Mortensen in person, I was like, "This is wild yeah. for me right now." Did um, and then we did kept we did keep ending up in front of them at the oh, after party. That was the first time it happened to us with Kristen Stewart. I was like, "We need to." Oh, I, we almost ran away. <laughs> Charles was like, "What is this guy? This big guy's deal? Who's like mean mugging me?" And we were like eventually like oh that's a bodyguard oh my god that's Kristen Stewart yeah we were like so this this place where they have the reception afterwards has this big open kitchen that's encased in glass that looks really cool and Allison was taking a picture of it and I almost pulled out my phone to take a picture of it and this huge dude with an earpiece just like side eyes you and I'm like what is why is he being like and I turn around and we're literally standing right in front of Kristen Stewart's table yes and I fully know from his viewpoint, it looked like I was pretending to take a photo of the kitchen mm-hmm. so I could take a photo of Kristen. Right. And I didn't know how to tell him, like, I am just an extremely basic person <laughs> and I want a photo of. I know you think no interesting person would want a photo of the kitchen because why would they? Um, and I just need you to know I'm extremely basic and I'm not going to take Kristen Stewart's photo. Nope. Mm-hmm. I know she doesn't want to be photographed nope. right now. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, and then we moved and ended up right in front of you. Yeah, because then like, so we I was moved like, like two or fuck? three tables. I didn't even realize because all of the tables had name plates on them and I didn't even read them. But we walked over and then we're sitting there like having a little champagne and wine, having the little hors d'oeuvres that they're passing. And then this mm-hmm. girl looks at me or like, I guess, at me or past me, probably past me. Um, and you were like, what, what? the I was like, fuck? Well, that was the what weirdest, is fucking problem? That was the weirdest look someone's ever given to me. What did I, am I, do I have something on my face? And I turn around and Viggo Mortensen's right behind us. I was like, son of a bitch. Oh my God. That's just the expression you get when you see Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Like <laughs> wide-eyed, but also like, what? What? Uh, Aragorn. Yeah, yeah, that's the, oh my God, it's Aragorn. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to recommend it. Uh, but I, again, I'll say what I said about the sadness. I'll recommend it if you're a freak. Yeah. If you're a little freaky, if you're not, if you're like, don't like blood, super squeamish, don't like a movie that gives me weird feelings and makes me feel uneasy, don't watch this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So one, uh, the only issue that I had with it was, again, the dead naked child. But two, we right. talked about this last night, that there are several naked women in this that show uh, chest and like partial bush. And I see not one single pubic hair from Viggo Mortensen. Which is so weird because I was like, Vigo has been naked in other David Cronenberg right. films. So like clearly he's okay with full frontal. David's okay with full frontal for men. So I was like, we don't see his dick once. The show Dong. Show Dong. I know Vigo's okay with yeah. it. So I'm like, he totally would have done it. Ugh. I was wondering if that was one of the things they had to trade for like the other graphic stuff mm, that got maybe. in. If they were like, you can't also have a dick in this. 
not a not an adult dick. Definitely adult a child. We dick. see a little boy's penis, which is like fuck. Like this, like that's a too tough long. scene. Just so long it lingers, and I'm like, oh my god, are we all on a list now? Because we saw this film. Right. Um, Jesus. So, um, anything else you wanted to say about this before I move? No, on? No, but I, I mean, I, I do, I do ultimately recommend it. I had a good time. It is beautiful and well acted. I just. The, with the with the caveats that I've already said, I do recommend it. Awesome. So the other recommendation I'm going to give, this is streaming right now. Unfortunately, it was only in theaters one night. And I fortunately got to go to a screening of it because Meredith very kindly texted me and was like, bitch, this is only playing in New York and L.A. One night only. You have to go. I knew nothing about mm-hmm. it. The film is called RRR. The letter RRR. Um, and it is a, a film from India. And it is the craziest film I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was like a true Rocky horror picture screening moment where like there were hardcore fans there. It was completely sold out. They knew every single line. They were cheering. They were singing along because this is, a you know, and it's not a Bollywood film. It's called some, I think it's called Tollywood. It's like related to Bollywood, but it's a different part of India. And, but they still have like dancing and singing and like they knew the songs. And I told Charles, it is like my new favorite movie experience ever. Mm-hmm. It now goes RRR, Get Out, Endgame. That's my top yeah. three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's just wonderful. It's on Netflix right now. I would say obviously seeing it with a an audience is the ultimate experience. I don't know when it's going to be in theaters again, if it will ever be in theaters again. So watch it now on Netflix. It is three hours and you're going to see that and you're going to freak out and hate me. <laughs> but just know that you're in your fucking home so you can pause it if you need to. And it is just like such a fun, hilarious, beautiful, wild film. Like, there are multiple fight scenes in this film that involve tigers. And that's all I'll say. And, well, I'll also say that it's about, you know, two Indian men who take on uh, British colonial forces and kick their fucking asses, which is also very cathartic to watch. But the fights are insane. The two leads are incredibly charismatic. And, like, it's a story about this beautiful friendship, maybe more than a friendship. Mm -hmm. It's, like, very gay. It's very gay. Um, But I don't know how deliberate the gayness is. (laughs) It's written by this guy, S.S. Rajmuli, who's, like, a wildly famous writer and director um, in India. And, I mean, it's so spectacular visually. Like, I was, like, mesmerized the whole time. The three hours flew by, baby. Um, yeah. And also, uh, I, I, I almost got home and watched it last night and then I was like, oh, I don't, I don't have, that would have been I don't have time to do this. Um, and I had also taken an edible and nighttime cold medicine <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to make it through. Um, but is every night for you just like full Valley of the dolls? Uh, currently? Yes. <laughs> Cause then I also had to take the steroids and the antibiotics that I got for the sinus oh infection. God, and I was like, Charles, pills, you- pills, pills, pills. You got to be careful what you mix because oh, I have like I, done a number on myself I Googled, a couple times. I Googled like the, the if there was any interactions between the antibiotics and mucinex and there are not. So I was I felt well, I cool. told you 
there was there was a weekend where I mixed Wellbutrin, amoxicillin, and alcohol, Oof. and I was like, you know, I was gone, yeah. like instantly gone, and I was like, oh shit, yeah. So you you gotta watch it, you gotta watch yeah. it. Um, but with RRR, the photo of the man that you showed me last night, and the one that I have currently googled yeah. in front of me right now, is dad. Is is so dad. I I texted Meredith with photos of them, and I was like, is husband <laughs> because like. They're both so beautiful and like mm. pretty much naked in this these films. And like they're gorgeous. They're so talented. They're amazing dancers. Like they have like full extended dance sequences where they are just dancing their fucking asses off. And I was like, you guys should be the most famous people in the world. And I like they are so famous in India, but I'm like, I want every person in America <laughs> to know you guys. Um, so yeah, I guess um I obviously I would recommend that. Um, and listen, I, I really want to like shout out these actors. And I just want to say ahead of time, I'm so uh, deeply sorry for mispronouncing any names. Mm. Uh, N.T. Rama Rao Jr. and Ram Sharan. Um, and the whole cast is amazing. It's like very cheesy and like, there are lines that will just make you burst out laughing. And I don't know if they're deliberately supposed to be funny, but like you're having the best time the whole time. Is it, so, is it dubbed or is it um, subtitles? Uh, it's subtitles. Okay, cool. Well, actually I shouldn't say that. Um, one of the men speaks English. So sometimes he's just speaking English, but yeah, okay. there's, there's subtitles. Cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you want to see like, British forces get their asses kicked, which you should always watch RRR. Yes, I do. Oh, it was really cute too. So I I tweeted it and there was like, listen, I'm sure some of them are bots, but there's also just like a hardcore Bollywood fan base on Twitter. And I tweeted shouting out this movie that I liked it. And people were DMing me saying, oh my God, if you liked this, you should watch this, this, and this movie. And they were like so excited to recommend Bollywood films to me. And I thought that was so sweet. That's cute. Yeah, it was really nice. So check that out. It's on Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, we went so long. We got to get into news. Guys, I'm sorry. It's that time of the show. Here's your bad news. Oh, speaking of that, so Charles, you just reminded me, if you listen to the last episode that Charles was on, we became very paranoid at the end of the episode because it said there were like four people in the room. Yeah. And I was like, but it's only me and Charles. So mm -hmm. I wrote, uh, I use Riverside Studios, which is great. I recommend them. They also have great customer service because I wrote them and I was like, hey, what the fuck is this? And they were like, it's a glitch. Don't worry. Nobody was in the room with you. <laughs> Mm, like, likely story cool, Riverside. Cool, cool. Or it was definitely the CIA, which yeah. is what my brain tells me. Yeah. So it was either nothing or we're doomed. Yeah. So um, guys, it's bad news time. And let's talk about mass shootings in the United States, shall we? Um, so obviously, y'all watch the news. You saw this horrific shooting in Texas um, where... Was it how many people were actually killed? Was it nineteen? I saw it could be nineteen now. I thought 
I thought I saw 18. But okay. Yeah. Um, regardless, so tragic. Many, many children, um, teachers dying. Uh, I almost said in the line of duty. <laughs> like they're I, fucking soldiers. Yeah. I, that's, technically, yeah. Oh, God. Um, but it, it's, we're constantly trapped in this news cycle where it is the same thing over and over and over again. We hear all the terribly sad profiles of the victims, you know, and and lo and behold, it's a young man who is able to uh, buy a gun. And we start this like cycle all over again where like Biden gets up there and in front of the cameras and he's like, if only someone would do something. And everyone's like, that's why we voted mm. for you, my man. Do something. Yeah. If only you were the most powerful person in the world. <laughs> uh, and listen. I know that, you know, we have this thing called Congress and they're terrible. So I know it's a whole thing, but we're actually going to get to a good news item that gave me a little bit of hope, a little, little bit of hope. So stay tuned. But um, there was also a shooting in Tulsa. Um, where, oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Um, a gunman killed four people at a hospital. And apparently, so he had an AR-15 and he was targeting a doctor who had treated him. And I, I like find this so tremendously sad because like the reason this, I think clearly disturbed person went after the doctor is he was still in a lot of pain and mm-hmm. he, he blamed the doctor. So for me, this is like a failure, a societal failure on multiple levels where it's like a disturbed person got a gun mm-hmm. and our healthcare system is so shit <laughs> that this guy couldn't find relief. And I'm like, obviously all of my sympathy goes to the victims and not the shooter. But I was like, man, this is so, you know, it's such a great or terrible example of like how our society is just failing. On so many different levels. So many levels. All at once. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Dr. Preston Phillips, Dr. Stephanie, uh, Housen, receptionist Amanda Glenn, and a patient, William Love, were the victims. Um, yeah, it's like there's nowhere safe, <laughs> you know? You nope. could be at a hospital. You could be at school. You could be on the fucking subway. And it's mm-hmm. like because our leaders just refuse to address the problem, which is, you know, we're not the only country in the world that has mentally ill people. We're not the only country in the world that has poverty. We're not the only country in the world that has racism. But we are the only country in the world that has this many fucking guns. And obviously, that's why this keeps happening over and over and over again. And nothing fucking changes, um, which is ultimately what is like the most tragic part of this. It's like after Sandy Hook, (laughs) when nothing changed after Sandy Hook, I was like, they're never going to do anything. And then it happened again in Texas and Mm -hmm. a bunch of little kids got fucking killed. And I'm like, they're not going to do anything. And that's why I just like I have to entirely get off social media when shit like this happens because I can't watch people no. posting photos of these little kids who were fucking killed because they were at school and know that nothing's the families will get no relief. In fact, fucking Alex Jones will go on air and say this was fake and their kid's not dead. Yep. And nothing will. Ch- I'm like, I can't. I can't watch everybody play their part in this charade again. <laughs> you know, like I can't watch not just our elected leaders, not just the media, but also people like performing grief online. Not that like I know they be- they feel it. I know people are genuinely sad, but I'm like, 
you posting the photos of these kids is not going to change anything. And I know it feels like you have to do something, but like this changes nothing. And I can't watch everybody do it again. <laughs> yeah. And at, at, at this point, we it's become such a national tragedy every time this happens that even the, the fact that the police officers couldn't even go into that school or the classroom boggles my fucking mind to stop what was happening. And then their excuse after that, that, oh, we are we thought all the kids were already dead. That's oh my God. absolutely insane to me. And it's also not fucking true because a mom ran into the school because like they knew they were fucking alive. Yeah. It's like we always hear that we just need more good guys with guns. And it's like these fuckers did nothing. nothing. And this nothing. isn't the only time they've done nothing. And they How got many- their budget increased like a lot because they for safety, quote unquote. Yeah. And they did nothing. Literally nothing. And we hear about this over and over and over again. The cops who are like didn't run in and help anyone yeah it's the security guard at the school who did fucking nothing it's the local police who did fucking nothing it's like you getting more guns has solved nothing the only thing that's happened with more guns is more mass shootings and after columbine when all of this police presence was in in schools more often like we even had one in my tiny town we had a sheriff posted up in our our high school where there were 86 people in my graduating class and not not to say that this can't happen at any school, but like they increased this budget across the nation for this safety initiative at, for school shootings. And what good has that done us at all? Right. And it's always we're talking about people playing their part in this weird play that we do over and over and over again. That's part of it. We're like Biden's like, oh, we need to give more money to cops to do fucking what? what? We keep doing that and nothing gets better. In fact, it gets much worse. <laughs> yeah. Like we need we need the journalists in that room to just obliterate him when he says that. Not, yeah, I mean, and then you look at the shooting that happened in Brooklyn what two months ago. The cops completely fucked up that entire situation and let the guy get away. Right. Yes, that's the thing where it's like it's almost like we can't violence our way to a good society. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, unless so, you go ahead. So no, so far your your argument of the good guys with guns is that they fucking stand there and do yeah. nothing, or or they shoot some kid in the back, right? Yeah. You know, like it it's not making us safer. It's not making anything better. It's just adding to this climate of fear and intimidation. You're policing poor black and brown people. You're dividing our society. You are occupying these communities, and all that's happening is you are pissing off and scaring a lot of people and occasionally killing somebody who didn't do anything (laughs) it's like cool um i can tell you from experience now like all those extra cops that we have in the subway now all they do is harass homeless people that's all i've seen them do charles that's not true they harass homeless people and they never wear a fucking mask ever not a single one of them no so they're doing two things Mm -hmm. okay okay they're infecting a bunch of people with covid and uh harassing homeless people that's what they do and they occasionally um arrest kids who are dancing right yeah or fair evasion because that's a capital offense yeah clearly the crime of the century that's what caused um wall street to melt down right right kids jumping the turnstile yeah okay that's what i thought um so on that note everybody we're just going to do that story for the bad news section because that's very heavy you know is the theme of this episode dead children because i feel like you and i have talked way too much about dead kids but that's probably Mm. because we live in the greatest country in the world united states of america 
we will kill your children. Here's your good news. Oh, my God. My good news also involves guns, but Mm -hmm. good news, New York's legislature uh, voted Thursday to ban anyone under age 21 from buying or possessing a semi-automatic rifle. So this is a major change to state firearms laws pushed through less than three weeks after uh, the uh, other mass shooting in Buffalo that we covered on the show that was a fully racist attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read that and I got very curious where I was like, cool, but how many guns are used in mass shootings that were purchased and how many of those purchases were done by someone younger than 21? So I did a little bit of research and shout out to Austin American statesman for the Excellent, excellent articles where they answer all of these questions. Um, so first point, um, the Washington Post found they did a study, analyzed a bunch of data, and they found that more than two thirds of mass shootings were committed by shooters under the age of 18. So right there, we know that more than two thirds of these shootings happen not just by someone younger than 21, someone under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other uh, article that I found is that um, there have been uh, 66 mass public shootings from 1999 to 2013. PolitiFact found several instances where a perpetrator of a high-profile shooting obtained their weapon at a gun show. Um And this article has a bunch of examples. So this is very, very, very common that they purchase a gun either online or at a gun show. So those two things make the New York story extra significant because, you know, the cynical part of my brain, I was like, yeah, but like, what about like older shooters? This actually would be like quite effective (laughs) in cutting down on mass shootings and also so horrifying that that many of the shooters are younger than 18, two thirds. Wild. The, the way that how we regulate other things in this country and how strict we are about it baffles me when you could literally, I, I, I recently watched one of those like news exposés about like, we sent a 16 year old into a convenience store to try to buy beer and lottery tickets and blah, 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 blah. And they walk around to yeah. all these stores and obviously no one's going to sell him anything. Um, and then he walks into a gun show, is 16 years old, and buys a rifle yeah. in like 30 fucking seconds. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> what's fucked about it is you can join the military at 18. Right. So it's like, okay, if we're going to increase the age of when you're able to buy a firearm in the United States to 21, you got to do that for the military too. And I bet you that's why they're hesitating to do it mm. nationally. Correct. Because they're like, we want those little 18-year-olds. We want them to die overseas. 
Right. But I can tell you that the bodega down the street from me can get shut down because they were selling cigarettes that from Virginia instead of New York oh, ones. Yeah. But, so that's 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 definitely when they're going to start paying attention with cigarettes from another state. But, you know, or or if you're Eric Garner and you're selling Lucy's, they'll just straight up kill you. Yeah, They'll just murder you right on the street in broad daylight. Yeah. 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 Not even the whole pack. Just a couple Lucy's. Yep. Yeah. Uh, priorities. Uh oh, we're in the good news section. We can't talk about uh, police brutality. Sorry. Um, what, what was the alarm for? What was it? Uh, to have my smoothie in the morning. <laughs> I'm on. You have to. Re- I'm on. Do not disturb. Well, that still came through. Are you okay? Because this speaks to me because I frequently have to put in my calendar like eat something. Uh, this one specifically is like I buy the ingredients for the smoothie and I've let them. I I, I try to do it. Um, most of the days of the week, um, but I find myself buying them and then only doing it a couple days, and then I gotcha. end up throwing it, throwing away the fruit. Wasteful. Yeah, so I'm, I set a reminder to specifically have it every day. Okay. I did you reschedule the alarm so you'll remember? I just turned it off. Oh, you're not that fruit's gonna go bad. I'll tell you right I'm, now. I'm I'm busy right now, Allison. I'll do it <laughs> after the show. Do you want? I, well, I, I can take the microphone in the kitchen. We can do it right now. <laughs> blenders the yeah. rest of the episode uh when i met up with charles last night i was like sitting there and i was like god damn it i forgot to eat like i'm a mess you guys i'm a fucking mess wait for, uh, so, for like the whole day no 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 okay. i had um oatmeal in the morning and we ate that, that was like 10 o'clock at night i know i know i was fucking hungry yeah. during that movie. but then we ate a lot at the reception oh, so that was mm-hmm. nice yeah Except it was very good the, the one shrimp guy punished us though this dude this. kept coming by and we like said like listen that gig sucks this is not bad mouthing him but like we said no to shrimp like 10 times 10 times <laughs> I like i truly don't want the shrimp and he like would come by with a full tray again i was like no one wants this no one wants the shrimp sorry to the kitchen you guys are doing great but like no it's a no it's a collective no to the shrimp uh for whatever reason people don't want to eat like warm shrimp at an event during a pandemic i don't know why mm-hmm. Um, but it was a collective now. So, uh, oh, this is a good news story from Canada. Canada mm-hmm. will temporarily is temporarily decriminalizing the possession of some illegal drugs like cocaine, MDMA and opioids for personal use by adults in British Columbia to help tackle a burgeoning drug abuse problem in the pro- province. So basically they were like, we can't arrest everybody. So we're going to temporarily decriminalize this. Hopefully that'll become permanent. But listen, any news about decriminalization? Um, I wish this was happening in the United States because we have the largest prison population in the world by far. And we need to start releasing um, nonviolent drug offenders like yesterday. But shout out to Canada, even if it's temporarily. Good on you. Oh, my God, Charles, are you making your smoothie? Charles, what happened? Oh, hello. Hi. Oh, I don't know what happened. I thought you went to go make your smoothie. I, did. I really, really <laughs> thought that happened. And I was like, this motherfucker Peace out. is making a smoothie. And I'm talking about decriminalizing drugs. No, I would have left it completely on microphone. You would have heard it. Um, sorry, I don't know. I just like stopped working all for good, a second. All good. Um, what is the purpose of decriminalizing it temporarily? So how I read this article, maybe I'm incorrect, um, is that there's a really big drug abuse problem. And they're like, if we arrested everybody, it wouldn't 
like solve anything and also it would be like uh, a ton of people so the opposite um, of what america does which is arrest everyone now maybe okay. i might like maybe there's more to it but that's how this article made it sound um so oh wait so the exemption of first in canada is intended to reduce the stigma associated with substance abuse and make it easier for people to approach law enforcement and other authorities to seek guidance yeah okay. so exactly what you said it's like how you should treat people who are sick, which is uh, what drug addicts are. They're sick people. Um, you wouldn't put somebody in jail for having cancer. Why are we putting people in jail for being addicted to heroin? It makes no sense. They're not magically going to get better. It's a huge, huge waste of a, a human life, but also like time and resources. And it doesn't fucking work. Yeah. The United States is a shining example of that. We have spent decades fighting a war on drugs and we have lost very much so we lost <laughs> every single one of us uh the drugs won the so, drugs won i yeah I you gotta i, I think i'm I, i've always been an advocate of um legalizing drugs like decriminalizing them having them available like you know back in the uh 1920s when it was just cocaine was in everything um but like, you would go to jail if you didn't do cocaine in the 20s. Co yeah, correct. Be like, you haven't yeah. done your morning cocaine? Jail. Um, <laughs> but just like that way it could be regulated. Listen, I like maybe some, maybe not the FDA, but a different, like a new kind of administration like cool, like that a did cool something. FDA, like an FDA that like fucks, you yeah. know, they would be like, here's the good stuff. And we'd be like, thanks, cool FDA. You could regulate it. You could tax it. Mm -hmm. People who use um, drugs wouldn't hopefully have to test their drugs now for fentanyl for fear of dying. Um, yeah, and I, I talk about this every episode, but I just want to keep reminding people. And if you already know, tell like five of your friends you can buy free fentanyl testing kits at pharmacies. So free? Go get it. Uh, maybe not free, maybe like, but you can buy them. Like it's, it's worth it so you don't fucking die. Um, um, yeah, there's, so, yeah. there's, there's places I know, at least in New York, there are places you can go and get free testing strips like housing works or the LGBT center. If you are using, uh -huh. if you are using drugs, please test them first. Yeah. It's, uh, Don't die. if it's like 30 bucks or your life, pay the 30 bucks, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, on that note, everybody, we went long in the pop culture section. Listen, I know so many of you have been wildly supportive and said that, we could just do pop culture. And maybe I'm slowly segueing to that. Who knows? But, well, Charles, you were saying you're like, you're just kind of like inherently political anyway. So right. maybe I don't have to like draw this hard line. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. Um, but thanks for listening. Regardless, please follow Charles on the socials. Um, and do you want to promote the show or anything? Hell yeah. Um, yeah. also listen to my show, uh, dirty little horror. I have a new co-host, uh, Reed. Uh, you can follow him as well. Uh, he has been doing wonderful. He has a new microphone, so we're not using AirPods anymore. The sound quality is back up to where it used to be. <laughs> nice. By the way, if you are the industry person who added me to whatever list I'm on that I keep getting invited to these premieres, thank you so much. And also add Charles. Add Charles. <laughs> yeah. Add Charles <laughs> because to that. he's great and has a great film podcast thank you so much everybody have a wonderful weekend and while you're at it get out there and cause a little trouble <laughs> <laughs>